0: Going Linux, Episode 286, Listener Feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy.
1: And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux... This podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux.
0: We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. In today's episode, listener feedback.
1: If you want to send us feedback, our email is goinglinux at gmail.com, and our voicemail is one nine zero four four six eight seven eight eight nine.
0: Hey, Bill, how are you?
1: Good, good. How are you, Larry?
0: Doing great. Hey, I've been uh, playing around with Ubuntu Mate 15.10, Mm -hmm. the latest version. And? I really like it. I've installed it on a couple of computers, and it is beautiful. Oh, yeah, so um, I'm actually thinking I might switch
1: to it. Oh, hold on, let me get to, I need to mark this day down on the calendar.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't decided yet, but um, I um, I'm going to be testing it out from a podcast production perspective mm-hmm. and see if it is going to work for me. I have no reason to believe that it won't. Uh, yeah. but it has more to do with workflow and tools and that sort of thing. And I think I might just switch to it depending on what happens.
1: Okay. If you do, uh, I'm going to hit the floor because you've been using a Linux Mint for as long as I've known you.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, uh, one of the things that has turned the tide for me is the fact that with, uh, Ubuntu MATE. Martin has made this thing so that it has the kind of interface that I like, which is the more simplified interface. Uh, not that mm-hmm. I couldn't handle something, you know, a little more complex. And certainly I do some tweaks on it to make it do what I want it to do. But uh, it's it's simple, it's easy to, to uh, work with, and it doesn't take up a lot of resources. And the, the thing that turned the tide for me was the fact that Martin has gotten it to the point where you can upgrade in place without having to fresh install. So, uh, Does that guy ever sleep? I don't think so. I mean, he's on at least a couple of podcasts that I know of and probably more. And he's, you know, managing the the Ubuntu Mate project. And yeah, uh, he's a busy guy.
1: Yeah, he doesn't sleep.
0: But I don't think so.
1: <laughs> he's a, he's a vampire. We figured it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he's a vampire who makes great software.
1: Yeah, makes great software. Uh basically I'm still running believe it or not uh, Ubuntu Studio, their latest version.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. How's that going for you?
1: Going well. Uh I have now have an uptime of 70. Let me look, 73 days. Okay. So it has been running smooth. I've had I think I restarted it when I first got it. I installed the updates and restarted it because it wanted it wanted to, but other than that it's been running steady, haven't had a minutes problem out of it. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna let it run. I wanna see how long I can let it run with it before I have to restart it. So far it's seventy three days.
0: <laughs> you may be there a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 nice, it's fast, I like its simple interface. And I like Ubuntu Studio, but I love uh, Ubuntu Mate, mm-hmm. so they're both very close interface-wise, but uh, if, if when I do change, I'll go back to Ubuntu Mate because that's the one I've I, I've kind of like settled on.
0: Yeah, and with the latest release of Ubuntu Mate as well, uh, Martin has uh, put in a welcome screen, which is kind of reminiscent of the original welcome that used to come up on the old versions of Ubuntu, Ubuntu except mm-hmm. that there's a lot more to it. And in fact, for new users, I think that this welcome screen is going to have a lot of use. I think it's something that people are actually going to use rather than just dismiss and and say, oh, that's nice, they've got a lot of help links in there. It's a lot more than help links. Uh, once you install the software, Uh, On that help screen, there's a software button, there's a series of buttons, and that software button allows you to install a bunch of applications that are, quite frankly, curated by Martin and the team uh, to Mm -hmm. be one of each of the kinds of software that you may need for some common tasks, and it includes Audacity, it includes some of the things that I install by default, and any average computer user would want by default. It also includes the ability to install Synaptic and Ubuntu's uh, Software Center. So if you need additional software, you can do that. But if you are a new user to Linux and you really just want some basic applications, you don't have to go hunting through the repository and confusing yourself with eight different versions of a text editor eight is a conservative number <laughs> um, and trying to figure out which one is the right one for you. he's He's got a nice list of some of the common software, one of each type and a good fit for Ubuntu Mate. And I, I really like that. And there's a lot more to that welcome screen. If you install the latest Ubuntu Mate, take a look at that and, and kind of explore around in it. It's really, really useful. And for a new user, it's got a lot of functions in there. It's kind of like an additional control panel, but specifically made for new users.
1: So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Before you used to recommend uh, Linux Mint as yep. the number one uh, for people leaving Windows. Mm-hmm. Would you say uh, Ubuntu Mate is moving towards that number one, or would you say it's as good?
0: I'd say it is number one now. Oh for, really? For, for example, in that software, in the um, welcome screen mm-hmm. you can install steam with one click
1: wow now that that's nice yeah. That's nice yeah it's so, really nice so basically uh we now if you're new to linux we recommend you give ubuntu monte a look
0: absolutely yeah that's that's the number one recommendation these days
1: Plus that, that that is something if it were to replace Linux Mint as being our suggestion. I, I, I do like his project. Someone had mentioned in the forums on Google Plus that we didn't need another distribution and I kinda weighed in on that mm-hmm. and said, you know, well, they weren't really being fair to uh to the the project yes he does take some of the stuff linux mint does and ubuntu does but if you really think about it uh, that's how we build linux we build it on the shoulders of giants
0: yeah absolutely and we don't need another linux distribution but we can always use a better distribution
1: that's right and it is a better uh distribution because i think they, they he's got kind of like a laser focus of exactly what he wants to accomplish yes And he hasn't deviated from that. I can't say that about Linux Mint because they do a lot of different stuff. But as far as what I can see about that project, uh, they keep it very tightly controlled and very – not controlled where you don't have any choice, but controlled as as far as quality, fit and finish, and and doing things that makes uh, for people to – Jump into it and actually use it like having that one click install for Steam, having that suggested software for text editors, web browsers, et cetera. So you don't have to try to guess, okay, what do I need? You know, here's, here's what we think will get you started. And if, now if you find something better, you can always get it from the repositories, but this is, this will get you running and this will get you productive. And see, I think that's very important.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And Ubuntu Mate uh, borrows from all of the other projects out there. Uh, It's got a lot of the mint tools without the mint branding, of course, uh, because it's not mint. Uh, But um, just like with any other open source project, as you said earlier on, Bill, they're building on the shoulders of giants. And uh, I think Ubuntu Mate has become one of the giants.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. And like I said, I kind of close this conversation and uh, there's no reason to reinvent something if someone has something already working and working well.
0: Right. But if you can improve it, yeah, go for
1: it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm all for a hey, this this project over here does this really well this project over here does this really well this project not so well but this one over here does it really good so we take the best of each project put it in there and if we can make it a little better and but that doesn't stop the other project saying oh look they took our tool made it better now we can take that tool our tool that they made better and put it back into our distribution so everybody's borrowing from everybody yep So that's how open source gets better is that each one is building off the other and making it better all the time, which I think that's why Linux works so well as, you know, an open source is succeeding where a closed operating system isn't.
0: Yep. Absolutely. All right. Good. Um, Shall we get into our emails? Sure. Okay. Well, our first one is from Nicholas who wrote to us and said, hi to all going linux team and he puts parenthetically please consider that english is not my first language okay that's not a problem i really love your podcast keep going on with your great job i moved to linux zubuntu two years ago because my personal computer was on windows xp and it was no longer able to support windows 7. i really love linux i had some experience with my work And I am able to really take control over my machine more than with Windows. I'm thinking about installing Linux on the family laptop, but the only thing that's holding me back is the NetNanny software available on Linux. We're using the software QStudio on our family computer with Windows 7, and it works perfectly. The good thing with this software is that it works on Windows and Android, so our 13-year-old can navigate on the laptop or his tablet with the same rules configured in the software. Do you have a good suggestion for NetFilter software for Linux? I found some, Dan's Guardian, Annex Filter, and PluckEye, and I am prepared to run some tests to see which one is the best for us, but I want your advice on the subject. Best regards, Nicholas from Quebec, Canada. Any recommendations for Nicholas?
1: Uh, I've heard of NX Filter, but Mm -hmm. that's about the only one. Since I don't have any kids, I really don't have filters on my machines. But I have heard about NX Filter, and I heard it works well. But I've never heard of Pluckeye, though.
0: Yeah, Pluckeye is new to me as well. Dan's Guardian I have set up for other people and I've heard of it. I haven't heard of NX Filter or Pluckeye. So my recommendation is Dan's Guardian simply because I've had some experience with it. I think uh, Bill's recommendation would be NX Filter. So I'd give either of those a try. If you want to try out Pluckeye, that's fine. Uh, any of the three of those sound like they're the right uh, the right fit. So certainly those first two we've had some experience with, don't know about Pluckeye. So there you go, Nicholas.
1: But if you do use Pluckeye and it works well for you, let us know about it.
0: You bet, yes. We'd be interested to hear about that.
1: Our next email comes from Finn, and he writes, Hi Larry and Bill. I just finished listening to episode 282 at the end of which you talk about F, Lux. You mentioned an open source version, but didn't know the name. Well, it's called Redshift and can be found at httpjonas.dk slash redshift I have been using it on my desktop and two different laptops for about a year now and confirm that it runs well on Ubuntu, Mint, Arch, and Fedora. My girlfriend also uses it on her laptop with Ubuntu Studio although she has to use the proprietary FLUX on her Mac. It provides exactly the benefits you described on the show, and I wouldn't use any distro without it. Keep up the good work, Finn.
0: Yeah, and I had already included in the show notes for episode 282 the link to Redshift because I found that after we recorded the episode. But um, yeah, we'll include it in this uh, episode's show notes as well. Thanks. Our next email, uh, actually two emails from Michael. Hi Larry and Bill. Currently, I am without a computer as my sister has managed to sell my old MacBook and she is trying to get the DVD drive in the Toshiba repaired or replaced for use or selling. I'm not keen on all the software that comes with cheap Windows PCs, which slows down systems and is a nightmare for screen readers. The RNIB in the UK now sells computers with JAWS pre-installed, which are more expensive but you get the screen reader and technical support and I'm not sure about this but perhaps they remove or disable any useless applications running in the background I emailed them about their computer packages but they have not got back to me about them maybe because of the accessibility issues in Windows 10 my father has just upgraded to Windows 10 and his opinion is not favorable as he lost all his email contacts I emailed the Linux Emporium to ask about their computer hardware, if this makes running Linux easier, if I don't use Windows or Mac OS. Again, so far, no reply. I've been on Amazon to look at PCs supporting Linux. I came across the Dell Inspiron 3551, the specs state it runs Ubuntu 14.4. What is your opinion of this model?
1: Okay, then Michael wrote back to us, and he wrote with some additional information on the computer that he hoped to purchase, and he listed the specs for us, Larry, so Mm -hmm. here are some of the specs. It's the Dell Inspiron 3551. It comes with software, is Ubuntu Linux 14.04 with Service Pack 1. He says it's black, screen size is 15.6. Resolution is 1366 by 768, which that seems about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Intel processor, Celeron D. And then he lists the processor speed. And I think that's what is one of the more important features that in the RAM. And let's see, so the processor speed is 2.16 gigahertz, which is fast enough. Yep. And RAM is 4 gigs.
0: That's plenty to run. Ubuntu that's for sure
1: yeah the hard drive is 500 gigabytes that's that's large enough I mean sure. geez oh yeah yeah uh it has bluetooth and it has one battery uh lithium so that's good and he says uh and let is see what the weight is oh he said the weight's 2.1 what, kilograms so what's that about I don't do metrics
0: um, I don't know let's do a quick google uh yeah, it's
1: about what four
0: pounds 2.1 kilograms in pounds Google says 4.6 pounds.
1: That's pretty close.
0: Yeah. Heavy side for a, uh, a laptop, but if you're using it mostly on a table or a desk, that'll do just fine.
1: But it's not as heavy as, it's heavy as mine. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're a beast. <laughs> Forty you know, pounds
1: or something like that. No, no, it's only it's, it's <laughs> close to ten. Yeah, but um, wow. And it was in the first days available is the sixth of September two thousand fifteen. So it's a brand new so, model. Yeah, so basically it's a brand new model. And looking at the specs right now, since it already runs Ubuntu uh, Intel. He didn't he didn't list the graphics card, but I'm I'm assuming it's probably either a uh, it's probably an Intel based uh, graphic card. So, and they're supported really well.
0: I edited out some of the specs just to keep this a little brief. And he did mention that it's an Intel card.
1: So basically uh, it should run any version of Linux beautifully. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think you'll have a problem at all. And uh, especially if you're installing screen reader software and other things for uh, accessibility, um, Ubuntu, uh, supports all of that just fine. Uh, and good luck
1: yeah good luck let us know how it works for you if you get it
0: yep our next email is from leonid who wrote hi larry thanks a lot for your podcast i learn a lot from you and i have a question some distros like fedora and ubuntu on installation automatically create a separate boot and boot slash efi partition But some, like OpenSUSE, creates only a boot slash EFI, but not a separate boot. Is there really any benefit to creating a separate slash boot partition? Thanks. Leonid, what do you think, Bill?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, I think it's basically, um, the way I understand it's just how the different distros do it. It really is not going to make a big difference as far as... uh, the, uh, the boot up speed or anything like that. Uh, sometimes the boot EFI is because the uh, architecture is different. Uh, I know it holds some special commands, but other than that, I don't think it's really going to affect anything.
0: Yeah, I don't think so either. And I know that when you're talking about Fedora and Ubuntu, you're talking about the um, Debian philosophy on how to configure a, an operating system when you're talking about Ubuntu and you're talking about an RPM uh, type distro when you're talking about Fedora and each of those seems to have a slightly different philosophy as to where software gets installed, what directory it gets installed into and so on. So, um, it's, it's more a matter of preference and more a matter of consistency for that distribution. If you were building an Archbox or Linux from scratch or something like that, where you have full control over everything, you would probably just pick a configuration and use that. Uh, but since Ubuntu does it one way, Fedora does it another, uh, is, in terms of performance, in terms of actual uh, benefit to the user, I suppose if you're a developer and you're into developing operating systems uh, and you've bought into one philosophy or another, it would make a difference to you. But for the average user doesn't make a
1: difference. Yeah, it, unless there's some reason for you to to tamper with it or change it, I would just let it install what it wants. You know, uh, To this date, there's very few times that I'll actually change how the operating system, you know, Linux wants to install the um, partitions. About the only time I was doing that, and you probably remember when I was up uh, Testing out the different file systems, Larry. Mm-hmm. Remember, I was, I switched from the uh, EXT you know, 3 and 4, and I was doing the XFS, which is the, um, uh, that real, f- uh, experimental system. And right. then remember, I tried a riser for a little bit mm-hmm. and just kind of seeing if uh, we saw any benefits. And I think we come to the conclusion that you might see some benefits in, in XFS and riser for certain things, but for just general. Use the standard um, file systems in Linux work just as well, with sometimes better because they don't have quite the overhead. That some of those file systems like a- a- XFS takes more memory. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I kind of just let let it do what it wants, and and as you anybody that's listened for a while knows, that I've installed a lot of Linux over my time, so and I usually don't have any issue.
0: Yeah, the the only benefit really to creating a separate partition might be to create a separate home partition. And that only comes into play when you're installing fresh installs or changing distros where all of your configuration data and the actual data that you've con- uh, created... Would be contained in that home partition and having it in a separate partition you could install a new operating system over top to replace an existing one and still have all of the uh, information in your home directory without having to do anything to it. Uh, of course, then, you know, when you do that, especially if you change from Ubuntu to Fedora or any RPM to a Debian or other kind of distribution, then you've got all the configuration files you got to mess with. So sometimes it's easier just to install from scratch if you're changing <laughs> distributions. But hey, yeah. now we're getting really deep into the uh, advantages and disadvantages. For the average user, Leonid, doesn't make a difference one way or another. Yeah, it
1: doesn't make a difference. Our next email comes from Joe, and he says, "I enjoyed listening to your podcast on Stitcher Radio. So many podcasts will waste time with show-filling banter. Going lengths is just the opposite. Thanks. And my question to him is, has he listened to me? <laughs> We've talked about my dogs. We've talked about the hurricane. <laughs> We've talked about flooding." We've talked about, we've talked about being flamed for saying things about Windows. We've talked. I mean, we have talked about everything. So, apparently, that's not considered banter.
0: Uh, either that, or it's not considered time-filling banter. It's banter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose
1: our philosophy is. We, uh, we just want to show everybody we're human too. You know, we have, we, we have good days, bad days. And, and sometimes it's a funny story. Sometimes it's a serious story. You know, we, we, how many times have we ran it about Time Warner, which is our cable company we both use? Yeah. So, though so basically, uh, Joe, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's not show, uh, wasting, uh, banter, but Larry always, uh, says, golly, you had to talk about the dogs again today. <laughs> No, seriously. We really appreciate it, Joe. I'm glad you enjoy the podcast. We enjoy doing them. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I hope that comes across. Yes. Our last email is from Chris. Hi guys. I really enjoy your podcast. I am using Ubuntu on my laptop. And until recently, I've been using Kubuntu on my older HP pavilions to replace the dated Windows XP operating system. Both stopped working after recent updates. I resolved the issue, with one by installing Zubuntu 14.04, it seems to be happy now. The problem unit is an HP Pavilion A645C with a 32-bit AMD Athlon 2.2 GHz processor. I tried numerous Linux distros, including the following. Fedora 22.3, it won't run. Scientific Linux 32-bit, won't run. CentOS 6.7, 386 works fine, looks good, but lacks drivers to read NTFS backup storage. OpenSUSE i586 works fine, looks good, but lacks drivers for wireless network card. Netrunner 14.2 works okay, but too slow on my system. Mint, the new KDE re- release, works okay, but after an update, the system will not reboot. All flavors of Ubuntu 14.04 and 15. 04 386 they all work but after an update the system will not reboot i am currently running zubuntu 14.04 without installing updates any ideas or suggestions to prolong the life of this otherwise useful pc thanks chris
1: i have a suggestion i had a computer like that that was very picky about what it wanted to run and i found now this is one of my go-to uh, Linux distros that I like a lot. It's, it's it uses KDE, but it's, remember PC Linux OS, right? For some reason it would run on everything I had. So if you're having problems, I would suggest burning a, a, a live image and see if you like it first. And then if you have time and you're inclined, try installing it. Because I one time um, I had the, uh, the, remember that Lenovo? It just didn't like uh, Fedora. It didn't like Scientific Linux, but it liked PC Linux OS. It didn't like Ubuntu too much. But it. it but what's the nice thing about the PC Linux OS is that it, they have all the drivers already installed. So you don't really have to go and look for a lot and they have things that like skype and and the drivers to read ntfs and the um you know just they have things already set up so i was just giving them a look but uh another thing is you having a lot of issues with the boot i wonder if he's having if he has a bad sector
0: yeah that's kind of what i was thinking is there the symptoms are all over the map and uh It's after a reboot, after an update, that the problems seem to appear. So I think that's about the only consistent thing. And so you're installing new drivers, you're installing new updated software. I think, you know, it's the reboot that seems to be the consistent part. And that would point to what you just said, Bill. Um, I would check the hard drive first. Uh, see mm-hmm. if, if you have another hard drive you can borrow or you can, uh, if you have one that you can replace it with, try that. Uh, if not, then do what you can to get it checked out, make sure things are okay. There are things that you can do to test out the, the hard drive itself using uh, Linux uh, live CD if you want. Um, the other thing that I would think is if the hard drive works out okay. Uh, If uh, Ubuntu SUSE i586 works fine and the only problem you have with it is that there's no driver for your wireless network card, uh, I would use that and go hunt for a driver on their forums uh, and take a look at what your network card actually is or get a replacement network card if you know try again as a trial don't go out and buy one expecting that it's just going to work because you may still have problems but if you can borrow one or you can get one with a from a a store with a generous return policy if it doesn't work for you uh, try it out um, especially if it's uh, something other than a broadcom network card some of those are famously uh, incompatible with linux give that a try and see if, see if that'll work for you. And if it does just stick with OpenSUSE, but, uh, I check out that hard drive first.
1: Well, I I don't usually, um, suggest proprietary software, but there is a tool that I've used. And I like the the guy who makes it because he does a lot of, gives a lot back to open source. And you know who I'm talking about when I say Steve Gibson, Mm -hmm. if You think it might be a hard drive. See if some of your techie friends have, uh, maybe, uh, purchased his program. It's called Spinrite. It's not very expensive, but it, um, it's not, it doesn't need, it can look at any hard drive, no matter what the operating system, because it's, it basically looks at each of the sectors on your hard drive. And if it finds one it can't fix, it'll block it. So, you won't install onto that bad sector again. Uh, I'm sure there's something that in Linux that works similar, but I found that, um, Spinrite works well. Uh, and you know, if a tool works well, whether it's proprietary or open source, I, I of course, would like to find an open source, but if a proprietary works better, uh, I'll, we'll tell you about it. I'm not, I'm not advocating him. Buy it, but I'm just saying from my experience, which I did buy it and I do, I have used it. Um, it has worked well and it has fixed some of those problems that he's having. Now I don't know if it is a hard drive. I don't know if he wants to invest in it, but I would see if one of my friends might have a copy that they'll let you borrow because it, it's it's a bootable CD and it and it works well. And um, like I said, I'm not advocating you buy it. I'm just saying um, I like. Uh, uh, Steve Gibson, and his company, GRC, they do a lot of good work. they He's very security-minded. And uh, so uh, that's just, uh, I'm just throwing it out there as some advice or a you know, suggestion. But uh, you might want to check on some forms and see if there's an open source that does something very similar. But, uh, you know, like I said, information is information. You can uh, use it or not use it.
0: Yep. And... Uh just getting back to trying uh, another hard drive if you don't have another hard drive that you can actually install into the computer what you could do is disconnect the existing hard drive plug in a USB portable hard drive if you have one of those and it doesn't even have to be a large one just uh, anyone that's out there that you know is good and reliable and uh, go through the installation process of installing your favorite distribution on that Your computer will boot from that hard drive, that external USB hard drive, and then you you may have to adjust the boot order to make sure that it does. But um, once that's done, if everything runs fine with each of the distributions that you've tried out here, then you're pretty certain that there's something wrong with your existing hard drive. Maybe a program like Spinrite could repair it. But in my experience, once a hard drive starts to fail, uh, you're probably better off replacing it. And if this is an old Windows XP machine, it could very well be that the hard drive is about ready to fail on you. And even if you got it up and running, uh, it might just cut out on you at the worst possible moment.
1: And just another I, another suggestion, if you don't have a USB portable drive, but you have a, uh, a USB USB, um, dongle, I guess that's what you're going to call it. Just a regular, you know, little USB that you get, you can pick up from the store, you know, it's uh, about, you know, six to 12 gigs. You can use that. Mm-hmm. You can, you can use that. You can install the operating system on that and plug it into a USB and just change the boot order where it boots from that and then you can kind of see if everything works that way
0: sure absolutely
1: so that th- we've given you multiple options you know uh if you have a hard drive you can uh change out you can do that if you have a usb um hard drive you can try that uh you can you try spin right or you can try um just switching out so you could, you've got some options but if it is like larry said an older xp machine it it We almost almost get 50-50 odds that the hard drive is is starting to go.
0: Yeah, and one other thought. Uh, When you have boot problems like this, sometimes it could be the CMOS battery. Uh, I had that problem. I didn't think about that. Yeah, so check and make sure that little button battery that keeps the time uh, synchronized uh, is is up to date. The best thing to do there is to find that little battery and replace it with a new one. If it's an, uh, an XP machine, it probably needs replaced by now anyway. So just go out, get another little battery, plug it in there, make sure that isn't the problem because it might just be that. Yeah
1: and i have another idea <laughs> here we go <laughs> we're, giving, we're giving him we're giving him a lot of good ideas if it is an older machine maybe he should uh see if there's been an update to his bios mm, yeah
0: that could do it too
1: yeah and maybe uh the the manufacturer has released an updated uh, an uh, updated version of his bios and maybe that would help him so i think between all those one of those should work <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely and from least risky and least expensive to most risky and or most expensive i would check the cmos battery first swap Mm -hmm. out one way or another the hard drive to try to eliminate the hard drive as a problem uh, and then go to the bios update sometimes doing the bios update can be a little risky as well Uh, so uh, i would leave that one to the end
1: yeah i'd exhaust everything before i do that one
0: yep so there you go.
1: All right. Good luck.
0: Yeah, let us know how it goes, Chris. Okay. And that's it for our episode today, Bill. Good. Our Good. No, yeah. We'll you mean have, we're not
1: going to have any f- show-filling banter?
0: No show-filling banter. And we did not get a Gone Linux story this time, so we'll leave that out. Um,
1: okay. So uh,
0: we can also talk about application picks or software picks. Mine would be Ubuntu Mate, but we've already talked about that. Do you have one? Uh
1: No. (laughs) Okay. But uh, I will say I am working on a review of a couple of new uh, updates of uh, Ubuntu Mate, uh, PC Linux OS, and uh, Ubuntu Studio. And I'm, I'm starting to put that together. So probably not too much longer. We're gonna have uh, a review of those and some of the features and stuff. Cause I haven't done a review in a while and they've made some progress. So uh, keep listening for that. Yeah, looking forward to that, Bill. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right, as always, our next episode will be a user experience episode of some sort and uh we'll let you know what that is when we get to that episode
1: (laughs) that's it that that's just wrong (laughs) that's a teaser until then you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes as well as links to download and subscribe
0: we are the website for computer users who just want to use linux to get things done
1: If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Legs Podcast Google Plus community.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: 73.